Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. We are a church with a mission of inspiring ordinary people to live extraordinary lives for Christ. It really doesn't matter who you are, what you have done, or how you choose to worship. You belong here. We pray that this week's sermon blesses you and that you feel God's presence through it today. So today we are in the second week of our sermon series called Grace, where what I'm trying to do is not only give you a picture of the amazing grace that God has offered us through the cross, but also help you begin to see that God's grace is actually something we get to experience every single moment of every single day in and through all things. And so this morning, as we continue our journey into the depth and beauty of grace, the the main thing you've got to keep in mind as we go deeper is that grace defined, or what grace really is, is unmerited favor, or anything good that God has done for us that we didn't earn or deserve. And of course, the way we normally think about grace, which is what we talked about last week through the parable of the prodigal son, is that grace, that unmerited favor that God has given to all of us through his son when he gave his life on the cross, where even though we didn't earn it or deserve it, he just gave it anyway. But now that you're starting to get what grace is and how God has offered us this unmerited favor through his son this morning, and to begin to expand your minds a bit, we're going to explore how God's law or those rules and regulations that God has given us to live by are also a kind of grace or another amazing gift that God has given to us that we didn't earn but something that we desperately need. So for me, growing up, the way I understood God's law is very similar to the way I understood the rules my parents gave me as a teenager. And that at that time in my life, from my perspective, the reason my parents gave me those rules is because they were lame and they didn't want me to have any fun. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Teenagers, can I get an amen? No, there's right. But of course, I didn't break those rules because of, um, you know, what would happen to me if I did. Or example, in my teenage brain, the reason my parents told me not to go out and party and stay out all night and all that stuff is not because they wanted what was best for me, right? It couldn't be that. No, it's because they were lame and really didn't understand what it was like to be a teenager. But again, because I didn't want to get in trouble, or more importantly, I didn't want to deal with my dad if I stepped out of line, I was really pretty good at keeping the rules at least most of the time. Well, in a similar fashion, the way I understood God's law for a very, very long time in my life was that just like with my parents, God also gave us some rules to live by that made life boring and lame, but you had to keep them because if you didn't, God was going to punish you. Or or the truth be told, the way I thought about God at that time was that God was like this strict father who just laid down the law and I was just expected to follow, no questions asked kind of deal. But then... What started to happen to me, not only through all my theological education, but most importantly, when I became a father myself, is that God began to show me something very important about how his law actually worked. In that the law are not just some arbitrary rules that God has given us to follow or else, or rules that he has given because he doesn't want us to have any fun, but instead of rules he has actually given us out of love because he wants what's best for us. And the way I had my eyes open to this is as my girls have gotten older and older, I have given them rules to live by, but not because I want to suck the fun out of their lives or because I just like to see them, you know, suffer 
or, or just make up rules. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Are my girls laughing over here? Okay. So the main reason um, I give my girls rules is because I love them more than anything else on this planet. And as their father, I want to do everything in my power to help them stay safe and then go out and have an incredible life. And then where punishment fits into all of that. It's not that I enjoy doling out punishment because I think it's fun to see my girl suffer. No, in fact, I'm pretty sure that the punishment that I hand out hurts me as much as it hurts them. But nonetheless, it's something that if I don't do it, then my girls won't learn what they need to learn. Or for example, the one time I spanked my youngest daughter, Cora, when she was about three years old. And basically what she did was she ran across the street to play with the neighbors and she didn't look and she went without someone else. Or instead of waiting on her sister while I stood on the front porch, which was the rule, in her excitement and before I could get outside, she took off across the street without looking. And parents, you guys know how dangerous that could be, even in Grayben, Kansas. And so to make sure it never happened again, I first yelled at her to get her attention and then I walked over, hit her on the butt one time, and sent her to her room, which again is not something that I enjoyed. It was not a fun moment for me, but was something I felt I needed to do in that moment to help her understand in a way she could get how dangerous crossing the street was for her at that age. And then when it comes to my older daughter, Karis, who is 14 going on 20, 40, you guys know what I'm talking about. The reason her mother and I give her rules to follow when it comes to boys and friends and what we expect of her is not to make her life miserable, even if that's what she thinks most of the time. No, our goal as a people who have experienced the complexity and craziness of being teenagers ourselves is not to keep her from her best life, but instead to set up some guardrails so she doesn't end up falling off the cliff. Or to think of this in another way. There is this notion, this unspoken assumption that many people hold to, which says that if you really do love someone, you just let them do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do it. But the truth is, if you give that any thought at all, that's not how it actually works. And to see that, all you have to do is think about those parents who really don't care about what their children do. And so just let them go out and do whatever they want. Because what usually ends up happening to those children is not that they go out and do great things because they have all this freedom. They're not being oppressed by their parents. No, what usually wonders is because they don't have any direction. They wander so far off the path that they can't find their way back, leading to all sorts of misery and suffering in their lives. And you guys have seen this. You guys know what I'm talking about, especially teachers. Well, that's not love, friends. That's neglect. So what all of that helped me begin to understand is that when it comes to the laws that God has given us, what God is doing for us, because he loves us even more than we love our children, is in the same way good parents give their children rules or set up guardrails to help them to thrive, God is basically doing the same thing for us, which means that notion of a God who has simply given us rules to make our lives miserable and boring is just not true. Then when it comes to punishment, God is not up there sitting, delighting, and doing things to us because for some reason he enjoys to see us suffer, which, by the way, is the way a whole lot of people continue to think about God. This is their notion of God. No, just like I give out punishments to my girls to keep them safe and thriving, the same goes for God. But then here's the thing about God's punishment, or at least what I have experienced in my life most of the time, which I get from the first chapter of Romans. Punishment oftentimes is not something that God does to us. Like when we wander from the path, he causes something bad because we sinned. No, as Paul describes the way God pours out his wrath or the way that God goes about punishing us for our sins is he basically allows us to reap what we sow. 
to suffer the consequences of our actions. Or if you get into that car after you've had too much to drink, God is not going to stop you. Now, no doubt God is going to try to persuade you not to do it because it's a horrible decision, but he's not going to stop you. So where God's punishment shows up in all of that is he allows you to reap what you sow or allows you to get that ticket or wreck the car or whatever happens because you made that horrible decision. So God's wrath, at least in my experience, most of the time is basically God allowing us to learn things the hard way which is also the only way many of us will ever learn what we need to learn, which means that's not a bad thing. Or to put this into perspective for you, how many of you are really, really good at learning things the hard way? (laughs) How many of you, even though you know better, still learn the hard way? Yeah. So, now that you're starting to understand God's law in a bit different way, Now let me show you how his law really is just another way that God is showering us in his unmerited favor. So the way I think about God's law as a kind of grace is to think about how in the beginning as God went about creating this world, he didn't just create the world and then walk away, right? Create us and then just kind of step back. No, instead, what we find our God doing throughout all of Scripture, it's kind of the history that we find in Scripture, is he showed up time and time again to guide, direct, and teach us the best way to live. And here I want you to think about God giving the law to the Israelites on Mount Sinai. But most importantly, I want you to think about how Jesus came into the world to show us a new way to live. And what that puts into perspective is that based on the way God designed his world to work, he gave us the law so we can know the best way to go about living our lives. Or another way to think about this is basically all that God is doing in giving us this law is he's given us a kind of instruction manual based on how he created his world to work so we can know how to live into the best possible lives. But here's the thing that we don't ever think of. God didn't have to do any of that. See that? God didn't have to do any of that. Or those rules and regulations that God has given to us is not something we earned or did anything to deserve. But instead, we're given by a God who loves and cares for us and wants us to thrive. Or in the same way, I have given my girls rules to live by to help them navigate their life well, which is not something they've earned or deserved, by the way. That is what God is doing through the law. So for me, what all of that means is similar to the unmerited favor of grace that God has offered to us on the cross, the same is true of God's law, and that it's not something we have earned or deserve, but it is a grace that God has given to us so we can go out and live into the extraordinary lives he created for us. You guys see that? So here's the cool thing. This is a truth that once you get it, once you see it, will not only change the way you understand how God works in your life, but it has the ability to change almost everything about the way you see the world. In that, and now, instead of living a life worrying about what an angry, vengeful God is going to do to you when you mess up, you begin to see that God really is with and for you, trying to help you become all that he created you to be. Or again, just like a good parent, sets rules and hands out punishments to help their children to thrive the same is true of our God. Or to really help you to see this, let me close by getting really practical using one of God's most famous laws that a bunch of people don't quite see eye to eye with. So, as most of you already know, the the seventh law that God gave us in the Ten Commandments is, you shall not commit adultery. 
what my experience has been when it comes to this law among all sorts of people, including some Christians, is that for a whole lot of people, this is not a law that God has given to us to keep us safe and thriving, but it's one of those outdated rules that we're expected to follow or else. Or for some people, given our natural sexual inclinations as humans, they believe that staying committed to one partner for your entire life is just not right. It's not how it's actually supposed to work. And truth is, I I will admit, if you don't think very hard about this law, the notion that we're supposed to remain committed to one person our entire lives, given how we're wired, does seem a bit strange. But then what happens when you not only begin to think about the benefit of this law in deeper ways, but also get into what the science tells us about what happens when adultery is committed, what you'll find is that it really is a rule that God has given to us for our own good. And all because adultery not only crushes people, leaving them hurt and wounded for years, but it also destroys families, going on to affect and even scar children their entire lives. And then on an even bigger scale, when it comes to society as a whole, statistics are staggering. When you compare children who grew up in homes with two committed parents to those who grew up in single-parent homes. Now, please, do not hear me knocking single-parent or single... I know in some cases that's the best thing. But it doesn't deny the fact that people who remain committed have a better chance of raising kids. So statistically speaking, this law really will not only make your life and your family better, but it's also better for the entire world. And then here's the thing, the same kind of logic that we just went through with this law, you're going to find behind every single one of the Ten Commandments. And then even more than that, Jesus is the same thing. All the rules and regulations Jesus gives us, it's the same logic. So, may you come to understand that contrary to what you might have been taught or what many of you still believe... The laws that God has given us to live by are not arbitrary or mean-spirited, but are actually one of the greatest gifts our God has given to us out of his love in that the law is just another way that God has offered us his unmerited favor or his amazing grace. You see it, don't you? It changes everything. Let us pray. Father, the truth is, when we think grace, we automatically go to the cross. And as we should, because that is the event, the moment where you gave your life to save us all. But today, help us not only to remember that, but to understand that your law works in the same way. And that as a loving and gracious God, as a loving and gracious Father, you have given us these rules to live by, not because you like making up rules or because you want to see us suffer but because you want to see us thrive. So help us, O Lord, see you in a new way. And help us to give ourselves to serving you, to obeying your laws, not because we have to, but because we want to. Because we really do want to live into the life that you've created us for. Lord, we pray all of this in your name and for our sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon, and we hope you are able to join us next week. To learn more about FCC Great Bend, visit us online at firstchristianchurchgb.com. Again, that's firstchristianchurchgb.com. God bless and have a great week.